In, in 2008 and 2009, I lived in New Orleans with an organization called Mission Year. Uh, you'll, you'll probably hear me talk about that from time to time because I don't have a whole lot of other really good stories to tell. Uh, but I did live there. It was a great experience. Uh, and I, I've never been more intentional with my time than the year that I lived there, because that was part of the reason that I was there, uh, was to intentionally spend time with the people that I lived with and in the community that I was living in. I lived with five other people in an apartment that was probably smaller than like the whole bistro area back there. It was a really tight space. Uh, I shared a bedroom with two other guys, and our, our uh, lady roommates shared the other bedroom. There was three of them, three of us. and. Um, we had a great time together. Over that year, the, a couple of those people became some of my best and, and lifelong friends that, that I really have ever known or, or might ever get the time to know. We, we spent so much of our time together. We lived together. We ate together. We spent time in scripture together. We had a team night every week where we would just hang out and, and do different things that, that somebody would plan. Uh, so there's a picture right here. Um, yeah, that's that one up top is us towards the beginning of the year. We climbed that tree, and there's a really embarrassing video of me not being able to get out of that tree for like 20 minutes. It was, no, I don't have that video up. I'm not going to embarrass myself that way. Uh, and then that is us at the end of the year. Uh, my roommate Braxton and I, we had grown our hair out all year long, and then I got a really, really terrible haircut. Uh, and so I'm going to take that picture down now because I don't, I don't want that up there anymore. That's, yeah, we'll, we'll leave that one. That was a better picture. So every morning we would wake up and we would have breakfast together and we would do a, a team devotional together. And we would, uh, we would pick a book of the Bible to read through together and, and we all took turns. Everybody would lead us through a discussion on one chapter per, per morning. We would spend about 20 minutes doing that and spend time in prayer together. And, and uh, for me, that was one of the most, uh, up to that point in my life, one of the most intentional times I'd spent in scripture ever up to that point. And so I know it had a direct effect on how I spent my time with my roommates and with my neighbors. We would walk to our work sites together. We, we raised our support while we were there. So we didn't have jobs. We, we had volunteer jobs that we did. And it was, it was, uh, it was, on one of these walks that we met one of our neighbors, Earl, who is, is this guy right here. And we were these five white kids walking around. What we later found out was like one of the roughest neighborhoods in New Orleans. We would tell people where we, where we lived and they'd be like, oh, you're right in the middle of it. And it was a really interesting time. And so we're walking down the road and, and, and Earl sees us and he stops us because we're these five white kids in this neighborhood. So we're obviously with a church group of some kind. And so he, he, he has this idea. He's going to ask us to come work in his community garden one day while we're there. When we told Earl that we were living there for a year, he lit up. He and uh, a friend of his had started this community garden as a, a work study program for, for young teens in their, in, in their neighborhood. They'd had uh, quite a few guys be killed in, in gang violence and stuff. And so they, they taught them how to garden, how to farm in this little plot of land in the middle of inner city New Orleans. They end up growing these peppers and making this hot sauce that they were selling all around the country. And so they were earning money that was going toward uh, them getting uh, going to school or them kind of getting out on their own when they got to that age it was a really neat program and the whole thing gets wiped out by Hurricane Katrina and so we're there five years later and he still has never revived this program 
And so he goes, great, you're going to help me rebuild this thing. And so for the next 40 some odd Saturdays, we spent every Saturday in this garden with Earl. And, and I mean, I, I, grew, I grew corn and ate corn out of that garden. It was wonderful. Uh, and, and so it, it, was, it was this thing where we, where we realized we, we had the opportunity to come alongside of what God was already doing in the city and devote our time and our lives into those things and into the people who were doing them. We ate together all the time, every single meal almost. And so uh, we'd wake up, we'd have breakfast. A lot of us worked at one of the same places, so we could have lunch together. And then um, every night we, we were on a rotation of who, who was cooking dinner. And so two of us would cook dinner. We'd spend an hour or two just preparing dinner. And then we'd spend another two hours just eating dinner together or with some of our neighbors and just spending that time uh, telling stories and laughing and crying and having a good time getting to know each other. Uh, we, we would have neighbors come over and teach us how to cook stuff. So one of my favorite dishes to cook to this day is red beans and rice with diced ham. And that sounds really lame, uh, but it's, it's a very traditional thing there. They call it a Monday dish because you make a big pot of it to last you through the rest of the week. And so when you're poor like me, that's a really good thing to have. And so uh, it, to, to learn that, that from one of my neighbors was a neat thing because, because I said, man, it, you've got something that I want to learn how to do. Can you take time if I take the time to, to learn how to do that. Every, every Friday night we had team night, so one of us would plan something we were gonna do, and, and uh, you know, it was kind of a secret from everybody else, and we'd spend the whole evening on Friday uh, just hanging out together, going on an adventure. So much of our program wrote on this necessity that we could like live together, um, and any five people living in a small space like that, that's gonna be a little bit of an issue sometimes. A part of that was the importance of, of loving each other, uh, liking each other a little bit, and to, to like somebody, you got to spend time with them. You got to invest the time there to get to know them. One of the very first things they taught us in, in mission year was they said, this is the mission year question. And they said, ask yourself this all the time. And the question is, in this moment, how can I best love both God and people? In this moment, how can I best love both God and people? So this becomes the lens through which, uh, through which I, I live my life that year, my roommates, and the, the lens through which we do everything that we're doing. Their, their tagline at the time was, love God, love people, nothing else matters. And it was amazing to me how many things could be filtered through that. If I just asked myself this question, in this moment, how can I best love both God and people? It, it, was, it, it was always way more clear than if I was just sitting there going, what should I be doing right now? I go, oh, I volunteered in a middle school uh, science and social studies class. I go, oh, Kendrick needs help with this problem that he's working over here. I walk over and do that. Oh, um, I, I heard one of, the, uh, one of the administrators earlier mentioning they needed something down in the workroom. I'll go do that real quick. And these, all these different things that when you ask yourself that question, that, that everything becomes so much more clear. I, I can point to so many of the moments that, um, in that picture earlier you saw, my friend Brax and my friend Katie, where, where we really began to develop uh, that friendship and that bond uh, that, that came together over that year. And it's because I was asking that question and they were asking that question. In this moment, how can I best love both God and love my neighbors, but also love these, these other five people who are living with me in this tiny apartment? In this moment, how can I love God and the other people that are, that are right here. The idea that time is a gospel issue, which is really what we're talking about, uh, is, is maybe a little bit foreign to us. We think of time as just 
time. You know, it's just, it exists. You know, we have calendars, we have clocks, we have watches, we have all this stuff that help us schedule our time. And our time is our time, right? Anybody? Amen? Yeah, yeah great. Thank you. Yeah, it's our time. And, and if, we, if we get to doing something for somebody else, great. If not, oh well, no skin off our backs. We've, we've culturally been trained to live our life this way, to go 100 miles an hour all the time. We, we, we wear these badges, say, look at me and look how busy I am, so busy that I don't have any time for you and I don't have any time to be doing all these things I'm doing well. We spend our time going, 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 and we're exhausted. This is, this is true for me, and I, I would imagine it's true for some of you. There's, uh, there's somebody I can think back uh, seven years ago sitting in D now, and, and he's literally falling asleep as we're having a, a, you know just, just this discussion. He's sitting up, falling asleep, and he, he'd come late from basketball practice, and this is like... Uh, he's, he's in a year-round year round basketball, so this is his select basketball in addition to uh, the, the sport that he's playing at school in addition to workouts for another sport. This, so he's, he's doing things for three sports at a time, and he's exhausted. And, and I, we were talking later. I said, I said why are you so tired? He said, because I'm running myself ragged doing this. So I know this is true for me. I would imagine it's true for, for some of y'all. Because we're, we're going... We're going home, we're going to school, we're going to practice, we're going to work some of us, we're going to hang out with our friends, we're going to hang out with our boyfriend, our girlfriend, and we do it over and over and over and over again. But as we're doing that, as we're kind of going about these normal traffic patterns of our lives, these things that are our habits, where we go, what we do, so many of us, and I know I'm guilty of this, uh, we, aren't, we aren't asking ourselves, how can I be loving God and loving people in this moment? There's, there's places we have to go. If you're under 18, you got to go to school. You don't have a lot of choice in that. If you have a job, you've got to go to work or you're going to get fired. Uh, we have to go to our homes and interact with our families. Some of us, that's not our favorite thing to do in the world, but we have to do that. There's, there's places we have to go and things we have to do. Um, and so if we're not asking ourselves, if it's not even crossing our mind about uh, how can I love God and love people? We have to admit that our priorities are out of whack. We have in a couple weeks, and, and we'll talk about this later, the opportunity for the Poland uh, Spring Break Mission Trip Interest Meeting. Uh, and, and it's a great opportunity. If, if you were to do every mission opportunity that this youth ministry has from 6th grade through 12th grade, you, you'd have like, 12 to, uh, like 10 to 13 different mission opportunities in state, in the United States, and then uh, international that you could go on, not to mention like all the local mission type stuff we do. And those are great things to do. And if you have a chance to do those, you should. But if the only time that you're that we're that we're loving God, loving people, is when we're on a mission trip or when we're doing a service project, we've missed it. We've missed the point. God didn't say love God and love people whenever that's like the thing that you're supposed to be doing right in that moment. He, he gives us this command to 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 love God and love people wherever we are. If if we're not taking the time to, to love the, the eight people that sit around us in our classroom, right now, it's, it's not going to be something that we're going to do later in our lives. But we do it all the time. We do it every day. We, we go about our interactions, and we don't even consider, how can I love this person that's sitting right next to me? 
To get more intentional with our time and to love the people around us may sound like this big idea. How do I do that? What does that even look like? But but it really is not that difficult. We're going to look at a passage of scripture in Mark chapter 5, if you want to turn there. Um, it's Mark chapter 5. It's the second gospel. So you kind of turn like three quarters of the way through your Bible. You find it somewhere around there. Um, in this this passage, Jesus is has come off this boat and he's uh, he's headed to um, he he's just cast out uh, the the demons like the ton of demons from the one guy throws them into the pigs throws the pigs into the sea it's really crazy you should go read it uh, but but the idea that Jesus came just to die for our sins is one that we think about a lot, but we don't think about a lot of times the example that Jesus gives. And, and so what we're going to look at tonight is a great example that Jesus gives us uh, for, for how to spend our time. So Mark chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 21, it says this, it says, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you, you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Remember, when we, when we look at Scripture, we have to understand what is going on, why it's important then, what's important then, before we can look at what's important to us now. So a couple of things that we see is that Jesus was headed somewhere important, right? He, he gets off the boat. He's cast out these demons. He, he comes to the other side of this lake. He gets off the boat. People are coming in around him. And this synagogue leader comes to him and says, and says please, please come heal my daughter. No one is going like, yeah, that's not that big a deal. Like he's, she's going to die. There's nobody in here who would go, yeah, that's okay, not a, not a problem. And so, it, like, we understand, like, if there's an ambulance going down the road, what are you supposed to do if you're driving? 
Stay, yeah, pull over. Great. You're not supposed to be like, hey, excuse me, I know you're going to help that person that got hit by a car, but I've got a boo-boo. Could you put a Band-Aid on that? Right? Like We understand the importance of their task. They're going somewhere important. They're doing something vital to somebody else's life. And so Jesus is headed to do the same thing. He's headed to, to heal this little girl because this man believes that he can. So even though Jesus is going to do something that is of, is of extreme importance, it didn't stop him from engaging somebody who had an equally important issue going on in their life. The woman reaches out and touches his robe, and he feels the power leave his body. He's got this crowd pressing in on him, and he says to the disciples, who touched me? And they're like, what? Like, look at all these people. And sometimes I think that Jesus just likes to mess with the disciples, uh, because they don't know. Right? Like, there's, there's too many people, and that's what they're, they're going, Jesus, are you serious? Like, like we don't know. who Everybody's touching you. And this woman knows. Jesus insists he's got to talk to whoever touched him, and, and, and the power flowed from him into this person, because he's not on their timetable. They're going, Jesus, we got to go. we got to get to this guy's house. we got to help his daughter. He's not on their timetable. He's not on the synagogue leader's timetable. Jesus has such immense trust in the timing of God and because everything Jesus does is, is through the lens of the gospel, how, how can I love people? How can I love my father? He fully engages with this woman. He talks to her. He tells her, woman, you're healed because of your faith before he goes on and raises this little girl from the dead. He completes both tasks. He does both things that were equally important. And so... It, this is what's going on for Jesus. He's clearly engaged in something important, but takes time to engage this other woman. And, and he takes the time to, to love God and to love these people by doing that. And so for you, you have to ask yourself, what does it look like for me with my time to love God and to love people? These things that we believe about time that, that really are just not true, and, and, and we all believe them. Somewhere in the back of our head, we, we've had this thought or we've experienced these things. The first, the first myth about time is that things are going to settle down someday. Right? We have this idea that eventually things will slow down, and then we'll have time to do X, Y, or Z. Some of you are sitting here right now going, well, after Thanksgiving or after Christmas, you know, I'm in, I'm in my, my fall sport right now. After that, things are going to slow down. It'll be fine. I'll have time for, for this other stuff then. Next thing you know, it's, okay, well, well, when it's summer hits, and then, you know, you're on vacation, you're doing some family, okay, well, when the fall rolls back around, I'll be ready. And some of you are going, well, after junior high, after high school, or, or, man, after college, I'll be able to really invest my time in this ministry or in this thing that's going on. After I get a job, after I get married, after we have kids, and, and then time is gone. We, we believe this myth that eventually things are going to slow down. The reality is that the older you get, the more things you take on, the more responsibilities you have in your life. And that's a good thing. That's okay. That's not a bad thing that goes on. But they're not excuses for us to ignore the people that God has put into our life right now. The responsibilities that have, the commitments that you have right now are not an excuse to ignore the eight people that sit around you in your classroom. In fact, there, there are a reason for you to say, I'm engaging with God in all these areas, and I want to engage with God with you right here. It's that idea that we can take the time and, and, and sit here and turn to the person next to us and go, how are you doing today? 
What are you passionate about? What are your dreams? What do you want to do? What do you want to be doing in five years? How can I pray for you? Can I tell you about who Jesus has been in my life? It takes, it takes the commitment of ourself to engage with those people that are around, around you. And I said this earlier, and I don't mean it to guilt you or scare you, but if you're not willing to, to really get rid of that idea that eventually things will slow down and you can engage people then, if you're not willing to do that now, to engage these people around you right now, um, you're probably not going to make a commitment to do it later on. You're going to get more busy. You're going to have more things come up. You're going to have more responsibilities in your life. You're going to say, well, eventually I'll get to it. Making the commitment now is going to set you up better when you are in those future stages of life, when you have those priorities and those other responsibilities going on to continue to engage the people around you. There's always going to be responsibilities. You need to figure out now how you love God and love your classmates who sit around you. second thing that we believe about time is that if I had more time, it would be enough. If I had more time, it would be enough time. We, we, you believe that somehow if there was just a little more time in your day, you could get that grade. You could master that skill, and then you'd have time to be working on loving the people around you. But, but if you really think about it, that also doesn't make sense because everybody has the same amount of time as you. Everybody that you interact with and engage with at school and at work or all these different places, they have the same amount of time, of time as you do. 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, and I'm pretty sure all the months have 28 days. Uh, so, so everybody has the same amount of time as you do. There's a guy when I was in high school named Scott Frazier uh, who everybody loved. Like, if, like Scott Frazier was a cool guy, and, and Scott loved everybody. We were in elementary school. Scott and I were like buds. We were in the same class a couple years in a row. And then we got older, and he got good-looking and good at sports and popular, and I did not, but that was okay. Uh, because Scott was just this genuinely kind guy. He always had a kind word and encouragement for you, asked you how you were doing, asked you how he could be praying for you. And it was not just the, the people that he hung around. Um, it was everybody. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, it like Lance, like, I don't know anybody that could be like, oh, yeah, I can't stand Scott Frazier. That guy's the worst. Like, he's, a, he's great. Everybody loved him. And he, because he loved everybody, Scott was, um, he played football. Uh, he was in PALS. He was in National Honor Society. He was really involved in his church. He had, um, he had a real serious girlfriend for a long time. He, he had all kinds of stuff that he was doing, but he took the time to engage with the people around him in his classes, in the hallways, at lunch. He was always taking the time to engage the people around him, so much so that I'm still talking about it 10 years later. Is that, is that, that was where his mind was, was to, was to use his time in school to love the people that he was interacting, the people that were in his, his normal traffic patterns in his classes and on his way to and from different classes. And, and so you've got to think about what kind of impact could God have in the lives of the person sitting in front of you, next to you, behind you, if you were really to, to let God work through you to engage with that person. The last lie that we believe um, is that uh, everybody lives like this. We, we have this idea in our head that, that this is just the way life is. Everybody goes 100 miles an hour all the time. It's not true. Everybody doesn't. Uh, 
There are people uh, that you know that because of who Jesus has been in their life, they, they build margin, they build time in to be flexible for, for what God leads them to do into their life. And, and um, God's pretty clear about this idea. One of the things I loved about my mission year experience is that we had a mandatory Sabbath we had to take every week. And so we had these volunteer sites, and uh, Saturdays we were to spend time with our neighbors, and Sundays we spent time with our churches. And so Monday was our day we had to tell our work sites, listen, I'm not available that day uh, because my program requires that I take this day off. And so it was a time where, uh, you know, we would just rest, uh, rest our bodies because we were, we were going, we were going pretty fast and, and, and most of the week and a time where we could rest our spirit, spend time in scripture. But it wasn't a time where we didn't engage with anybody. One of the things I realized was it was good for my heart to go have lunch with Earl. So on Mondays, I'd go down to Earl's house, and he would make lunch, and it was delicious, and I wouldn't have to do anything, and it was great. Um, and so, so even in that off time, in that resting time, uh, I, I had to think through, in this moment, how do I best love both God and people? And so it was a, this balance of resting my time and, and engaging with the people God had put in my life. The idea is that you, you can't wear that badge of busyness as a badge of honor. If you're too busy... Uh, when the person next to you taps you and says, hey, can you help me figure this out? If you're too busy to take the two and a half minutes to maybe walk them through something you understand that they don't, your priorities are out of whack. If, if you don't have the time to engage with that person when they're, when they're specifically asking you something, or even when you see, you know what, I'm going to stop what I'm doing, go see uh, what's going on with them, uh, you need to really kind of Examine your own heart and ask, am I really being intentional about loving these people? Your responsibilities are going to increase. You've got the same amount of time that everybody else does, and you've got to be able to, to build that time to be flexible and be led by God into your life. And that's how you love God and, and, and love the people around you. I said earlier that um, we sometimes get stuck in this idea that, that the only thing... Uh, that happened when Jesus came to earth is that he died on the cross for our sins. And he did, and that's an important part of, of what we believe and essential to our salvation. But, but he did more than that. Jesus comes to live in a very particular and specific way uh, to give us a model of what we're supposed to do. We, we look at that and go, this is how God inhabited the world that he created. And so this is how, how we're to strive to inhabit the world around us. So Jesus, Jesus did both things. He, he heals the woman who touches his robe, and he goes on to raise the girl from the dead. He completes both tasks. Because that was how he used his time. He used his time intentionally to, to think through, how do I engage people for who God is? You have the, uh, the ability to, to invite people to, to things here, like you invite them to collide, you invite them to great pumpkin hunt in a couple weeks, and uh, all the different events and stuff we do, and that's great, and we should do that. But more than that, we have the opportunity to invite people into something bigger than themselves, something bigger than us. Invite them into to being part of the story of God. Invite them to be part of loving God, loving people. That starts when we make the commitment, we decide, and in, in, in my math class, in my English class, in whatever class it is that, that you've decided, you're, you're block mapping the people around you. In this class, this is where I'm going to engage people. This is where I'm going I'm to walk in tomorrow and I'm going to ask myself, in this moment, in this class, how do I best love both God and people? Time, time is an important thing. It's a, it's a 
precious thing to us in our culture. And so when, when you are spending your time sacrificially for other people, that's something that made people go, that's different. What's going on there? We get the opportunity. So let me tell you about who Jesus has been in my life and who he wants to be in your life. We don't think about it very often, but, but the issue of time is a gospel issue, and it's a beautiful uh, gift that we have and a wonderful opportunity for, for ministry and, and to reach other people for who Jesus is. Pray with me. Yeah, we're, we're so thankful for the gift of time. And we confess that uh, we feel like that's ours sometimes. We forget that it's, it's something you've given us to use for your glory. And I ask for, for each of us in here tonight that when we go to our school tomorrow and we walk into that class that we've decided this is where I'm, uh, I'm investing my time, uh, specifically while we talk about love where you live, and then after that, um, that you would remind us of this question, of this idea, in this moment, how do I best love both God and the people that are sitting around me right here? God, allow our hearts and our minds to be open to hearing you in that. Give us, give us clear direction on what that would be. And give us the, the boldness to take those actions, to do those things. It's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen.